Well, good morning. Great to be with you this morning. If you have a Bible, please find in yours Luke chapter 2, the second chapter in Luke's gospel. I thought now that Christmas has come and gone in our calendar, we might ask, after Christmas came and went in the Bible, what can we learn from what happened just a few days after his birth from God's calendar? Well, with that question in our thoughts, let us begin by reading verses 21 through 24 in Luke chapter 2. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. We have before us in the verses just read three different aspects of the Old Testament law. Now get this, intertwined in just a few days right after Christmas. Number one, the law required that all male children be circumcised on the eighth day after birth. That's verse 21. Number two, the law also required that women wait 40 days after the birth of a son before presenting themselves in the temple for their purification. That's verse 22. And then number three, the law also required that a mother and father present their firstborn son before the Lord. That's verse 23. Verse 21 takes place eight days after Christmas. Verses 22 and 23 take place 33 days after Christmas. Eight days after Christmas, Jesus was circumcised. Did you notice that? It is so easy for Gentile believers, like most of us, I'm sure, in attendance today, uh, who do not need to be circumcised, they don't need to circumcise their eighth-day male, male old child and miss the significance of why Jesus was circumcised. I should point out the Jewish faith, which, by the way, is the Christian faith. The Christian faith finds its roots in biblical Judaism. Please underscore that I said biblical Judaism. I should point out the Jewish faith knows nothing of infant baptism, only infant circumcision. Why was Jesus circumcised on the eighth day? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 17, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. I did not come. In 10 different passages, our Lord uses the phrase, I have come. I would submit to you, I have come, are all Christmas passages because Christmas is all about God the Son coming from heaven to earth. I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. The law states in Leviticus 12 and 3, on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. The word circumcised literally means to cut around. 
circumcision was required of all Abraham's descendants as a sign of the covenant God made with him and the nation of Israel. In Acts 7 and 8, we read, and he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs. Notice it was passed down to the descendants of Abraham. Matthew 1 and 1, the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus was circumcised as a descendant of Abraham, and God gave him the covenant of circumcision. Covenants are agreements with promises, and just Jesus fulfills the promise made in the Abrahamic covenant. In Galatians 3 and 16, we read, Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed, that is Christ. Verse 24 in that same chapter, Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. And if you belong to Christ, verse 29, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs, according to the promise. Covenants are agreements with promises, and Jesus fulfills the promise made in the Abrahamic covenant that we would be a descendant, that we would be saved, that the law would lead us to Christ who would save us by faith. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. I would submit it begins by him fulfilling the law of the prophets. Uh, in that, in his first coming alone, Christmas, he fulfilled hundreds of prophecies concerning himself. Micah 5 and 2, he'd be born at Bethlehem. Zechariah 9 and 9, he entered Jerusalem on a donkey. Psalm 41 and 9, betrayed by a friend. Zechariah 13 and 6, forsaken by his disciples. Isaiah 50 and 6, the Messiah would be spit on and scourged. Psalm 22 and 1, he would say on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22 and 18, they divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Psalm 34 and 20, not a bone of his body would be broken. Psalm 69 and 21, gall and vinegar would be given to him to drink. Psalm 16, 9 through 10, he would be resurrected. Every one of those prophecies, and there are more, were fulfilled when Jesus came. I have come, Jesus said. Matthew 1, 21 through 23, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this, listen, took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Matthew, who quoted the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7 and 14, employs the very same word Jesus used. I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. It's the word playro. The word fulfill does not mean to add to in order to fill up, but rather to complete what is already present. 
And when I say complete what is already <clears throat> present, I mean what is already present on the pages of God's word. Luke 24 and 27, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. All the scriptures are about Jesus. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, not to add to in order to complete, but rather to complete what has already been given to us in God's word. Since we're talking about Jesus and the law <clears throat> and the word of God, please forgive me. Jesus came to fulfill the law as a teacher of the law. He taught people to obey the law. After Jesus healed the leper, Mark 1 and 44, we read, and he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to the law, to them. But Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And he did as much as in that he taught the law. Why did Jesus, after healing that leper in Mark 1 and 44, tell him to go show himself to the priest? Leviticus 14, 2 and 3. This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out to the outside of the camp. Thus the priest shall look, and if the infection of leprosy has been healed, the leper. Not only was he a teacher of the law, he was a doer of the law. He said as much in John 8 and 46, Which one of you convicts me of sin if I speak truth? Understand, at the time that Jesus says this, the only written truth is the Older Testament law found between the book of Genesis all the way to Malachi. If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? The truth he spoke is the truth he obeyed, and the truth he taught and obeyed is the law. And when Jesus came, he came to fulfill the ceremonial laws related to sacrifice. Hebrews 10 and 1, for the law since it is only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Now listen carefully to what makes us perfect. Hebrews 10 and 5, Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. When was the eternal son of God's body prepared for him? Christmas, when he entered the womb of Mary. Hebrews 10 and 5, when he comes into the world. And why did he come? Hebrews 10, 7 through 10, Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. See, the whole book of the law is about Jesus, the son of God, the Bible is a book written about him, and that book tells us he will, he will come. Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law, to die for us as a lamb, as a sacrifice. Now get this in order to save us from the law. Romans 8, 1 through 4. 
Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Same word, playroom so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. How was it fulfilled in us? Paul said, God did sending his own son, that's Christmas, in the likeness of sinful flesh, that's the body prepared for him, as an offering for sin, from a crib to a cross he came. So what have we learned in just a few short days, eight days after Christmas? Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. The law was fulfilled when he was born, Isaiah 7 and 14, the law of the prophets. The law was fulfilled when he was circumcised, Leviticus, just eight days after his birth. The law was fulfilled when he taught the law, he lived the law, was sacrificed as a Passover lamb to fulfill in us what we could never fulfill ourselves. Why? Why could we never fulfill the law? Why can Jesus do it, but we can't? James says, if you keep the whole law, and stumble in one point, you are guilty of all. In Galatians, Paul talks about the law being a curse. Why is it a curse? Because you must do everything written in it, something only Jesus Christ has ever done. Now, that's eight days after Christmas. What about 33 days after Christmas? What can we learn about that? Well, Mary, Leviticus, according to Leviticus 12 and 6, brought a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. <clears throat> Mary, 33 days after Jesus was born, brought the prescribed offering as a sin offering. I think it's very important that we remember the sin offering was for Mary, not Jesus. Now, why is that important? Why is it important that we pay attention to that thought that the sin offering was for Mary, not for Jesus. Many of us, me included, come from a Roman Catholic background. In the Catholic Constitution, and I know I won't pronounce this right, in Ephibilis Deus, the 8th of December, 1854, Pope Pius pronounced and defined, listen, that the Blessed Virgin Mary in the first instance of her conception, by a singular privilege and grace granted by God, in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the human race, now listen, was preserved, exempt from all stain of original sin. For those of us like me that come from a Roman Catholic background, you're probably familiar with the Immaculate Conception. The Immaculate Conception makes Mary's own conception and birth supernatural in that it elevates her to a level she does not occupy in Scripture, that she was born without sin. Now, the Catechism of the Catholic Church states, and I quote, it was fitting that the mother of him in whom the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily should herself be full of grace. She was by sheer grace conceived without sin. 
that the Catechism adds, alongside her son, Mary has become part of this plan of salvation by contributing her share to the justification of the human race, beginning with herself and extending to everyone ever justified. They place Mary right alongside her son in justifying the human race. They say Mary was born without sin. You know, this is impossible in light of what we learned last week if she had a human father. The only reason why we could say Jesus was born without sin is because God is his father and God cannot sin. When Mary was pregnant with Jesus, this is what she said about herself. Luke 1, 46 through 48, and Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. All generations will count me blessed and they have, and they should. The question, however, is, have some religious sects taken this to a level the scriptures know nothing about? I want us to listen carefully to what Jesus says about his mother's womb. Listen carefully to Luke 11, 27 and 28. While Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. Now, now notice this was not said to Mary. This was said to Jesus. I want you to hear Jesus's response to what people have done with Mary. But he said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. In other words, there is no salvific or saving blessedness in the virtue that Mary's womb is the womb that carried Jesus. A woman clearly noted that it must have been wonderful to be Jesus's mother. Jesus pointed out that a physical relationship was unimportant, even if that relationship included the very womb of Mary, compared, now listen, with blessing that can only come from hearing and obeying the word of God. What was Jesus saying? To just give birth to Jesus and not be born again yourself will not leave Mary blessed. There is no special favor offered to Mary when it comes to heaven and hell by virtue of her virgin womb when the subject is sin. And Mary, a short amount of days after Christmas, wants to tell us something. Here's what she wants to tell us. Leviticus 12 and 6, when the days of her purification are completed for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of meeting a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a sin offering. The sin offering was not for Jesus, but Mary. Mary was a virgin. She was a religiously observant Jew who obeyed the law of Moses. Mary was the kind of girl you would want your son to marry. And even though Mary was all that and perhaps even more, more Mary knew something. She needed a savior, Luke 1 and an offering for sin. Notice something else she needed, Luke 2. Luke 2, and notice at the end of verse 11, find those words, this baby is Lord. 
<clears throat> Lord comes from the word kudios, meaning owner, master, ruler. It speaks to power. It, it speaks to, quite frankly, who is in charge of who. Who is verse 11 said to? Well, if you were to read verses 4 through 9, you would find that it's a very narrow context that reveals the identity of the people it was said to. It was said to the shepherds, Mary and Joseph. The angel said, verse 11, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you, Mary, a savior. This baby will rule you. Mary needed a savior. Mary needed Jesus to come and die for her sins. Look at Luke 2, 41 and 42 for a second. Luke 2, 41 and 42. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. So Jesus, as you can see, is in a family that keeps the law. Now, now look at verses 48 and 49. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Son, why have you treated this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. Did you notice that Jesus was quick to point out to Mary who his father is? And where his home is? The temple. She failed to comprehend 12 years after his birth the true identity of her son. He is not Joseph's son. He is Joseph's son. You, you should have known this. Listen to what Pope Leo VIII said about Mary. Nothing, according to the will of God, comes to us except through Mary. That means Mary knows before we know. Well, if that's true, why does Mary not know what she should know here? Why? Look at verse 50 in Luke 2. But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. They still didn't understand this. Do you think it's possible that some religions place Mary on a pedestal that she does not belong? And where, where have we learned about this? Well, we, we, we began learning about this just 33 days after Christmas. I would argue that there is much to be learned after Christmas about Christmas. After Christmas about Christmas. Well, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. I hope you have a safe and happy New Year. What would make Christmas great for you is if Jesus Christ was born in you. Are you born again, my friend? Do you know what that means, to be born again of the Spirit and the Word? The two must come together. The gospel, the good news of the gospel. What is it? Well, the good news is a bad news, good news message. The, the bad news is there's this thing called the law. If you keep the whole law, 613 laws, and you stumble in one point, you are guilty of all, James said. Cursed is the man 
who does not abide by all things written in the law, Paul said to the Galatian church. You see, the law is a curse because you and I cannot keep the law perfectly. That's why Jesus said to a man, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. You know, the first thing you need to understand about the gospel is the bad news of the gospel, and the bad news of the gospel brings us to the law. Only Jesus can fulfill the law. You and I cannot fulfill the law. We break the law. We violate the law. We need a Savior from the law. And Jesus became a curse for us. Cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. Jesus died on a tree for our sins. What sins? Those sins that violate the law. You have to understand that you're a sinner. You have to understand that only Jesus can save you from your sins. His mother cannot save you from your sins. Only Jesus can save you from your sins. By grace we are saved. No amount of law-keeping, no amount of religious observance can, can save you. The only thing that can save you is the, is the grace of God, the grace of God. Have you repented? Jesus preached the gospel of repentance. It means to change your mind, uh, to change your mind about what you believe. In my case, I had to change my mind in believing that salvation was Jesus and me. Yes, I used to believe in Jesus, but I used to also believe I had to do something to save myself. I had to repent and change my mind. I can't save myself. Why? The law is too demanding, too demanding. The requirements are too lofty, too high. And that taught me something about faith. I needed faith to be saved. Faith in what? Well, it couldn't be in me. It had to be in Jesus. I had to put my faith in what Jesus did for me. He died for me. He rose for me. He's coming again for me. My faith is in him and only him. But I also had to repent in that I changed not just my beliefs, my behavior. My behavior had to change. And this is why you can't change behaviorally unless you're born again. When you're born again of the Spirit and the Word, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, changes you from the inside out. You are able to think differently and live differently and talk differently and act differently. And look, it's not going to all happen all at once. But when you're truly born again, it will happen. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, was born of a virgin, led a sinless life, died on a cruel tree for our sins, rose on the third day, according to the scriptures, ascended to the Father's right hand, performed the miracles to authenticate his Messiahship when he was alive, and he's coming again. These truths must be believed. And I pray today you have. May God bless his word and may God bless you.